Welcome to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. It is November the 25th. In today's episode, we're going to be talking with my advisor assistant who has a degree in finance and is getting into the industry. So we're going to be talking about his dreams, aspirations, and what it's actually like to be in the industry as a financial advisor. So stay tuned. It's going to be a great episode. What's up, Cody? What's up? How are you doing today? <laughs> good, good. Uh, Cody and I are working on Black Friday. What, what are we doing here, Cody? I don't know. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You, you got to do, do what work. you got to do. Yeah, we, we just have one, one client appointment and then some uh, catch-up stuff. So we thought we would record a podcast because we all got here nice and early. Did all my Black Friday shopping, probably a little bit too much, but I just couldn't pass up those deals. Everything, everywhere was like 15, 20, 25, 30% off. It was just like, it was baller. So... Cody, um, kind of taking a step back, Cody and I, uh, Cody's been working for me since May. Um, he was actually came through a contact of mine, a, a client, and the client said, hey, you know, I've got this guy, Cody, he's looking to get into the industry, he's finishing up his finance degree, you know, he seems like a good guy, Let, let's get you connected. So I did, I got connected with Cody, and then was really impressed, and put him through the ringer as far as the the interviews and the, you know, the qualifications and giving it lots of time. And then, so we hired Cody and uh, he's currently my advisor assistant, but he's eventually going to be moving into the same sort of role that I have, which is directly advising clients and, and working as their investment advisor. So he's getting a lot of experience here in the office. He sits on almost all the meetings with me, with my clients and takes notes and, you know, is able to, you know, type up the notes and put it in the the filing system or implement changes or whatever um, that we've discussed with the client. So he's, he's learning the business here, but Cody, you've got how, how long do you have left until you graduate? Only three weeks, three weeks, (laughs) three, three more weeks of probably very little sleep. That last push, that last semester is always a just brutal. Um, so you're graduating about three weeks and you'll have your finance degree, um, from GCU. And then with that, you'll be flipping back to full time here at the office. Cause right now you're just part time cause you have to go to school two or three days a week. And then, um, once you graduate, you'll be back here full time. So one of the things that I want to talk about today is what it's like being in the industry. You and I have spent a tremendous amount of time together. Um, just since we've been working together and uh, you've got to kind of get a lot better idea of what it's like real world because you're sitting there in your classes hearing about your professors talking about investing and finance and all these things. And then yet you sit in 50 client meetings with me and you go, huh, this is, this is not what it was about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it, which is funny because you think, wait, you know, how is the finance degree, you know, how is that not the stuff that you cover with the clients? And so I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between sometimes what you do for the education and what you learn versus what the job skills actually entail. Right. And, and I think it's, it's like that with a lot of different industries where you learn, you know, the kind of the basics or learn some foundational stuff. And then the real learning really happens when you get on the job. So you've been learning a lot. You've realized it's not always what you thought. And some of the things that was actually funny you're mentioning, um, cause you and I, we do a lot of strategic planning for our clients and I've been doing this almost a, dec- almost a decade. So I've got a lot of great ideas on how to you know, do well for clients and tax plan and you know, investment plan and all that save. And um, <clears throat> we had actually been talking about the 529 plans. And <clears throat> we, my personal philosophy is that their 529 plans are a decent option. However, 
know, they have so many restrictions to them. Like if you don't use them for college and then, you know, if the kiddo decides to go to trade school or just decides to open up his own business and not go the traditional four year route, the 529 plan is kind of tough to get the money out there without it just getting crushed as far as taxes. Because one example of that is I have a client of mine now that when he was... I don't know, four or five years old. He's like 19 now, but when he was four or five, something happened. There's some sort of medical malpractice against uh, his doctor. And so they had won a lawsuit settlement. And so they, they took the money and they went to an financial advisor and they said, what should we do with this money? I think it's like 50 grand. And they, um, the financial advisor was like, Hey, just put it in a 529 plan, all of it good to go. And his college will be set. Well, fast forward, they never put any more money into it, except that 250 or sorry, $50,000. Now it's like worth like 270. And so the kid's going to a state school and he's going to probably only maybe, maybe use 60 or $70,000. So there's this other $200,000 that he's going to have to remove. And we don't want to give it to another sibling because that is money that was allotted for him because I frankly don't know how, what the extent of those injuries were. But if there's a, there is a malpractice settlement, it had to be something serious. So um, he's got all this extra money that he's going to want to get access to, but he's going to be hit with all these early withdrawal penalties of 10% plus it's going to count as ordinary income. So he's looking at $200,000, 22, 24% taxes just to get it out of there to use it for something besides education. So on that, on those numbers, I mean, it's 44 grand that he just has to take a haircut on. And so one of the things that we talked about is Cody and I, you know, talked about it, my philosophy is yes, five fund the 529 plan, but don't overfund it. Uh, you should simultaneously fund a non uh, educational account, like just re- a regular brokerage account for your kiddo and they call them custodial accounts and then, or even a Roth if they have earned income. And that way that money can be used what for however you want. And I mean, imagine the same scenario where that person that was four or five years old, if they had came to me, I probably would have said, Hey, let's take 10 or $15,000, put it in the 529 and then the other 35,000 put into the brokerage account. And then the math would probably have equaled out very similar where 60 to $70,000 would have been what's in the 529 plan over those years. And then another 200,000 in the brokerage account. But in that scenario, getting money out of the brokerage account, he's not going to be hit with all those massive penalties and taxes and fees. Um, it's going to be much more tax favorable. So that's just one thing. And we were talking about that. And then I think you even brought that up to your professor. You're like, well, why, why do we only do 529? Is, isn't, isn't there another, you know, how do we know if our kids are going to go to college? What if they do something different? You know, doesn't it make sense to maybe have some other money that's not tied up? And I think your professor was like, no, 529, that's the only way to go. So yeah. it, 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 it's kind of funny hearing that going, well, um, I mean, I just made a really good argument for why you don't want to put too many eggs in that basket. So um, w- what are some of the other things that you're learning uh, in the industry as as a financial advisor or seeing me as an investment advisor that maybe um, you you didn't realize that was actually how it worked or um, was kind of um, maybe a myth conception or myth or something that you found interesting about the industry that you're learning about what it's really like. I really got to say it's the marketing really. You don't really, you're not as a fine in finance when you're studying there, they don't teach you how to market yourself, how to promote yourself, how to Mm, build those relationships with the clients and be able to, they teach you the knowledge, right? Yeah. But no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Exactly. So, and, and, and you made a good point because I had another person that worked underneath me and I mentored him for two years and he was a great, great guy. Like I liked him. We worked out together. You know, we worked together. You know, I taught him everything I know. And um, he, 
he was a likable guy and, and the clients liked working with him, but he just didn't like going out and promoting himself. Like he did not like going out and meeting new people and building relationships. And ultimately his, uh, he failed in the industry because he just didn't talk to enough people. But what was crazy is the people he did talk to, he hit like he hit home runs. <laughs> they like they went incredibly well. I was like, dude, if you just keep doing this over and over and over again, I mean, these are great relationships. Like, let's do you have more of them? Who are, who are some other people we can talk to? Because obviously, the people that you had, you know, brought on as clients that I helped bring you on as, bring as clients together with, you know, they like you, you know, and so that was one thing. Yeah, they didn't teach him how to market, and but he had all the finance knowledge. He just didn't know how to market himself, and really. I think there's a stigma sometimes with sales as if it's like this bad thing or dirty thing. Cause I think everyone thinks car sales, which car sales is, or used car sales right. is a whole nother ball of wax. I did that for one summer, hated every minute of it when I was like 20, 21 and it was a terrible experience. But most sales is really what the job of the salesman is, is to find out what the need of the client is. And hopefully that product or service can help solve that need or solve that problem. And if it can't, then it's not a good fit, but it should be something where they say, Hey, you have this issue or this concern or problem of wanting to know how to invest your money and make good decisions. And so we come alongside and say, Hey, we've got the knowledge. We've got the ability, you know, we can help provide that service for you. And then it's a win-win. I mean, business relationship and sales should be a win-win. I think some people don't like being sold stuff. They just like to buy stuff. That's just our culture. But yeah, in sales, um, you know, it's so important to go out there and just let people know what you're doing, what you have to offer. And not everyone's going to take you up on the offer to work with you. But if no one knows what you do, how are, how are you going to get any clients? Or if you never ask someone for business, that was the other thing too that I thought was always funny is I was, I would shamelessly ask. I, I had no qualms about asking people to work with me. I'd be like, you know what? I think you should, we should work together. Uh, why don't you give us a chance? I think you'll be really happy. And like, you know, any reason why you don't want to work with us? And they'd be like, no, no, no reason. I, actually, you know what? I feel really good about this. And you're like, that's asking them like, but so many people in this industry who just could never get those words out of actually asking, you know, at the end of the appointment or the end of the second appointment, whenever, when it's time to actually ask like, Hey, you want to get this done? Let's get the paperwork done and get the ball rolling. They just couldn't do that. And it was something like I saw that one other advisor fail in that area so many times, which was like kind of aggravating to me because in the, all the meetings I sat in with them and kind of led the meeting with as a team approach, we sealed all those deals. Like every single one of them was like hundred percent. Cause I just asked like, Hey, you want to work together? And the person was like, yeah, let's get this going. I'm like, okay. And if they say no, that's fine. You know, but you know, you have to get through the no's before you can get to the yeses. is what I also learned too, is there's a lot of rejection in this industry and it's not always personal. It's just for any number of reasons. So, um, have, do they talk to you about that in the finance degree about what it, like how many people you really have to talk to? Do they cover any of that? No, they're not talking about communication or anything like that. They're just telling you what the terms are, how to do a certain thing, what the certain term means. And what it does, but that's about it. So <clears throat> there's a, um, a franchisee in the investment world called Edward Jones. They're a pretty popular shop. They've actually got a really good training program. But in the first year, their mantra is a thousand, sorry, 10,000 doors in your first year. So that means you have to knock on 10,000 doors on, in neighborhood and introduce yourself in the first year. And so you'll start doing the math. You're like, Okay, um, so 10,000 divided by 365, 
27 doors. 27 doors. That's if you worked every single day, which no one works every single day. So like you're talking like 30, 35 doors a day. And so that means you're starting at like 7 a.m. and going to like 8 p.m. for like six days a week. That's just insane. So, but that's what they require. They said, this is what's needed for you to be successful. And you need to talk to a lot of people. And surprisingly, you talk to 10 people and one or two of them are, you know, have been thinking about this good or service that you're offering and want to utilize it. And it's how convenient you came over and introduced yourself and you had this relationship and then you ask for business. So that was something that I didn't realize when I first got into the industry is just how many people I had to talk to and how many times I heard no. <laughs> and, you know, you have to kind of like let it, let it just kind of roll off your shoulders because, you know, getting rejected 9,000 times, <laughs> 10,000 is no fun, but it is what it is. And that's why I like the industry. A lot of people just break down. They're just like, I'm so tired of getting rejected. <laughs> and, uh, I was too stubborn to quit. I was just like, all right. You know, my, 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 uh, philosophy was always like, okay, they're not gonna, they may not say yes in the first time, but by maybe the fifth or sixth time of me asking them, maybe they'll, they'll want to do some business together. And I had clients that I'd worked on building a relationship with two years, sometimes two and a half years until they finally came on. And then when they came on, they were some of my biggest clients. And so that talk about patience, you know, asking, calling, reaching out, talking to the person, you know, every month or every other month for two years to try and build that relationship. I mean, that's dedication, but um, I guess that was something that I just didn't realize about the industry. Um, the other thing, do they talk about like the compensation or anything about being a financial advisor? Do they tell you how that works? No. No. I mean, do they even imply that it's a, can be a lucrative career or not lucrative or any of that? I mean, do they, what do they talk about? One of the things I've noticed that they talk about, they talk about working for big corporations. Okay. Like Charles Schwab. Mm-hmm. It's like at Bloomberg. a call center or something like that. Yeah, being in the call center, huh. getting your foot in the door that way. But one of the things I've noticed about big corporations is there's not, there's, you're very limited on the amount of growth that potential there. Huh. So, they don't really tell you. So as you're getting into the finance degree, looking to be a financial advisor, they're not really as according to you, painting a good picture of what the compensation can look like. No, um, not at all. Because that was the other thing that was motivating to me is, um, you know, sales was always an area I excelled in because it, there was a lot of built in motivation for me. Um, if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. But if I did work, the harder I worked, the more efficient I worked, usually the better I got paid. And so I saw these immediate results from the fruits of my labor. And I had worked jobs before that um, had no sales uh, uh, associated with them at all. And I would like work so hard and diligently and do go above and beyond for like years. And I would never get a pay raise, like never get a pay raise, never get a promotion. It was just like some of these bigger corporations. It was like, no matter how good of a job you did, you're not going to go any higher. And so that's where that was a struggle for me because it almost, you get to a certain point where you're like, okay, why do I even try? Like, you know, why am I going the extra mile when it doesn't benefit me? No one appreciates it. I'm just going to do the bare minimum I need to do to get by. And that's a toxic way of working too. So, um, that, that, so this industry, there's almost limitless income. Like that's the thing is, is you're only, you know, cause you can get bigger and bigger and bigger clients too. So as you grow and you expand, um, you know, that, five or $10 million client, you know, would be equivalent to probably, 
uh, $50,000, $100,000 clients. So as you build those relationships, and sometimes the bigger accounts, you know, they're a little bit more work sometimes with the planning, but sometimes they're not that much extra work because it's pretty much similar process. Maybe you already, they already have everything dialed in and they've got no debt and they've got a will and they've got an estate set up and they've got life insurance and right. like, and they've got this income plan that you help do. And you're like, okay, so once we do a little bit of work in the front end, you know, it's, um, it's not like a, they're going to call me every single day. I mean, they can. So that's kind of interesting is like your, your, your income in this industry can grow pretty rapidly. And the only limiting factor is, is really you, you know, is how many people you can actually handle as a, as a book of business. And I actually had heard. Um, I used to go and get lunch with this Edward Jones guy here in town. Um, and we just talk, you know, just hang out. Um, he, I think he was trying to recruit me for years and uh, I was trying to recruit him, but anyways, I need to go have lunch with him again. But he was, I said, Hey, um, what's like the upper echelon limit for people, uh, having clients? Is there like a number that, you know, is too many clients for one person, just a little solo person, you know, operation, just one advisor. And he was like, well, most of the time people close their practice at 250 clients. He's like, but there's this legend <laughs> somewhere because <laughs> some this guy, some guy out in Iowa who has like 2000 clients or no, he said 2000 households is what it was. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so that means it's probably 3000 individual clients and maybe 4000 accounts total because most clients have like two or three accounts. Right. Best accounts. So you're like, and I was like, okay, so he's got this a ridiculous amount of people he has to call. How do you, how do you even function? Like, how do you keep up on that? He's like, well, you just got to call 20 people every single day and connect with them. He's like, and then every, every week you're, connecting with a hundred people. And, you know, um, that means every four to five months you've connected with everyone, you know, or you can call 50 people in a day and, you know, connect with, uh, 250 people in a week and then get, get through 2000 of your clients in two months. You know? And I'm like listening to this. I'm like, do you know how, like, I know what it's like to make 50 calls in a day and 50 calls of just like cold calling is very different than calling 50 of your clients. Cause those, Client conversation. Yeah, 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 they're going to last longer, <laughs> right? You, you, when you call a client, sometimes, you know, I'll be on the phone for like 25, 30 minutes on the average call with just checking in for a few minutes. It's rarely less than five minutes. It's usually 10, 15, 20. And then if it's a meeting, you know, now it's a minimum, probably about an hour, you know, for an in person meeting because there's the, you know, seeing each other, you know, finding out what's new and how's life been and how are you and how's the career, you know, what's new. And so there's like all these like things that go, which is necessary. Like that is absolutely necessary. So yeah, when I heard that like 2000 clients, I'm like, yeah, that sounds a little bit insane. Um, I think that'd be too much for me, but <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they don't talk about the compensation. They don't talk about like how many clients you would possibly have. They just talk about working at the call center at Schwab pretty much, or get your certificates and become, uh, someone that gets paid at least like 60 to 70 grand a year. They don't, they talk about salary based jobs. They're not so focused on becoming an advisor as much. Okay. So Cody, you hit on a good point. So there's a lot of different offshoots within the industry, right? There's the financial advisor, which is what I do and what you're going to be doing as well, which is I work directly with the clients, help manage their portfolios, manage their financial life, do retirement planning, do projections, do, you know, just be that financial advocate in their corner. Um, and it's pretty, pretty all encompassing. It's they can utilize me as much as they want. Sometimes clients will bring deals across the desk. They're looking to sign this business deal or this real estate deal. And they say, Hey, look over this paperwork. I want to make sure everything looks good. And I'm like, yeah, great. Let's take a look. Or they're wanting to do a business venture. And sometimes they'll be like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And sometimes I'm like, dude, that's a terrible idea. This is going to blow up in your face. Like, don't do this. And, oh, I'm going to do it anyways. And then three months later, it's like, I don't want to be like, I told you so. They're like, yeah, you're right, Glenn. So there's the advising portion of it. 
And then there's like a lot of back end uh, type of work that's still related. So like even in our firm, we have our investment management committee. So those are people that do nothing but research and development of our portfolios. Most of those people are not necessarily all client facing. There's like six of them. And only I think maybe two of them have dual roles as an advisor and a portfolio manager. Right. So those individuals are more salary based because it's just purely whatever the firm can pay you as far as a salary. And quite honestly, 60 or $70,000 in this industry is like very low, you know, very low. Like that, that's actually kind of shocking. I don't even know what the average salary is in this industry. Um, I mean, obviously with any industry you have people middle of the road, just like realtors, you, you know, in Flagstaff, there's a ton of realtors that just do only a couple of deals a year, a year. They're just part-time kind of. And then you have like your top 10% that are just like crushing it in five, six, seven deals a month. They're just like insane. Um, and so I'm definitely on the higher side of the uh, equation of having a lot of people to work with and be on the higher side, which I've been very fortunate but, about. But yeah, they, they, that portfolio management role, like it's, there's, you're not doing any client interaction. There's not a lot of room for growth as far as your income. You can't just bring on a new client and grow your income like you can as an advisor. So you're kind of capped a certain thing. And yeah, you actually have to go back and get more degrees too. So it's not just a four year degree. They'll want you to go and get a certificate, like you said, of certified financial planner or uh, chartered financial analyst exactly. or, or investment, uh, investment analyst technician. There's all sorts of ones, you know, and they, so you have to go back to school for like another year. Um, what are some of the other things that they don't tell you about, about the industry when you're in, in school? Well, they don't tell you about what happens after school. Pretty much. They're just discussing how, um, pretty much they just discuss what's with the study. They're just trying to get you for your degree. They're just trying to, because it's their job just to help you graduate. They don't really teach you about life in general. Mm. So they're not necessarily helping you with a continuation plan of, okay, now that you're graduated, you know, here's what you need to be doing to get in the industry. And here's the different offshoots. Here's the different areas you can go into and you got to decide which pros and cons. You know, I, I remember when I was in paramedic school, like when you're done, almost done graduating, if you didn't, if you weren't already working as a paramedic, like they're already getting you connected with somewhere to work in that industry, in that role. Like that was part of it. It was a trade school specifically for paramedicine. And so, um, is, that's kind of shocking to hear that they just don't even just educate a little bit about how it works after you got in the industry. What, what were some other things that were um, interesting that you're learning about the industry and maybe wasn't covered in class? So I would say some of the other things that were not covered in the industry was um, just being able to communicate with people. They don't teach you how to communicate. Gotcha. Because if you're not able to communicate with people, clients, people you work with, that's going to be a struggle and you're just not going to succeed pretty much. You're limiting yourself. Yeah, no. And, and that is definitely something that I've tried to grow a lot over the years is a, a ability to relate, connect, educate, and not overwhelm, but not underwhelm, meet them exactly where they're at with their knowledge and then grow them from there. Cause I have all clients all over the spectrum. I have clients that are brilliant geniuses, you know, and they know a lot about investing. Then I have other clients that, you know, on the opposite side of the spectrum that really don't know anything about the investing world too. So my ability to communicate with all different types of people in a way that they can relate to. And there's actually a lot of storytelling that I do too. I use a, a ton of analogies. In fact, we have this book, uh, I read it all the time and Cody's reading it and it's called Storytelling for Financial Advisors. That was one when I first got into the industry and was hugely helpful because I was listening to my mentor and uh, he'd been doing it like 20 years and I sit in his client meetings when I first got in the industry and I listened to him just say these like one-liners or analogies and these stories 
and or real life application stories and the clients like were shaking their head like yeah i get that yeah uh huh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so being able to communicate is huge um and and, pe- and, and i think having the right attitude as well is going to be important um i've seen other people in this industry that were just not very fun to be around they're kind of like you know you know kind of grumpy and you know not very always nice. complaining <laughs> always complaining not yeah. very optimistic and they didn't have very many clients not many people wanted to work with that type of personality so i think having a personality where you can communicate and you're not sugarcoating everything but you're like hey you know you know glenn's an optimistic guy right he's, he's not always looking at you know what could go wrong of course obviously you know we always look at the worst case scenario but you know i i don't like to use fear as a motivating factor for any financial decision because i think that's just the wrong way of doing it we should be looking at what could go right you know, what can go well. And Hey, we've got blessings. We live in America. Like exactly, <laughs> we should have no complaints. My, my wife as was telling me about Ukraine, um, yesterday, um, one of her friends, um, it was like two blocks away from their house was mortar shelled. They were like hitting, you know, just bombing residential neighborhoods. And it was like two blocks away from, you know, my wife's friend's house. And that's not very, that's not very far away. So it was like, wow. I don't know what two blocks is, you know, couple hundred feet or something but Hmm. kind of crazy and uh you know but that's that's the world they live in so anyways i'm pretty optimistic um what are you looking forward to about this industry cody really what i'm just looking forward to is being able to grow in the industry develop as an advisor being able to develop as a person human being because a lot of this industry isn't just about being an advisor being able to understand the terms but it's just growing as a human being because you got to take care of yourself mentally and physically Mm -hmm. yeah and that's something that I've been a big proponent of you, you know, and I've provided avenues to help do that. So uh, my employees, I pay for the gym membership and uh, I also pay for um, ongoing like mental health services too. And it's just free. Like, it's just like, Hey, you know what? I have nothing to do. I have no idea what that you and that person talked to, but you should probably go talk to him. You're probably right. fine. It's very helpful for you, you know, cause we all have issues. We all have things that we're dealing with struggles and, and also too, some of, sometimes we just need to coach in our corner to say like, Hey, what is Glenn's goals? And I'm going to help him reach those goals, help him hold accountable and help speak wisdom, you know, into his situation. So, you know, those are things that, you know, I, I found to be very, very helpful is taking care of your mental health and your physical health. And as well as, you know, your development as, uh, as an advisor too. Um, cause you can burn out in this industry, you know, there's, there gets a point where you, your workload is 24 seven, like you'll never be able to do enough to keep up and you could literally work 24 hours a day, seven days a week because there's that much work to do but you have to like set boundaries to say here's the amount of hours i want to consistently work and sometimes they can go over and under but you know i can't work 120 hours every week no 100 go, hours you'll go you know. crazy yeah you go crazy so um so you're looking forward to the industry you're looking forward to growing uh i'm looking forward to uh being there to help grow and mentor you um we we've made a commitment to each other for the next two years so we're <laughs> we're going to be working together for a while growing because it takes time um i i know for me and my development it really took me probably maybe three or four years to really start becoming proficient on my own. And then, you know, once I got to like year 10, then it's like a whole nother level of mastery and, um, you know, uh, of, of the, of the industry. So anyways, with that, um, Cody, we're going to have to do another episode because I do want to cover, um, some of the things that happened in my life in the last couple of weeks for the clients that may, may or may not know. I, had a crazy health scare lately, but we'll do, we'll cover that in the next episode. So thank you for listening to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. If you want to give me a call, the number here is 
225-2474, or you can email me at intelligentinvesting at wtwealthmanagement.com. Glenn Least, signing off.